0: Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of BL podcast on State of the Economy. I'm Amiti Sen. Today, we will talk about the EU's recent environment-related measures, specifically the carbon border adjustment mechanism and the EU deforestation regulation and its impact on Indian exports. While these measures are ostensibly to curb emissions and protect the environment, there is a fear that these may end up being non-tariff barriers for imports. Not only is the application of these measures complicated, but there are many fuzzy areas that the EU is yet to clarify. I have with me today Mr. Ajay Shrivastav, former Indian Trade Services Officer and founder of Research Body, Global Trade Research Initiative, who has extensively analyzed both the regulations. Uh, Mr. Srivastav today will help us uh, to understand a bit more about the issues at hand. Mr. Srivastav, welcome to uh, BL Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So, uh, can you please explain uh, what the CBAM actually is and why is the EU bringing in this measure? I mean, uh, protecting the environment is high on everybody's agenda, but why bring in a measure that, you know, includes uh, not only its, own country and companies,
0: but, you know, the world at large. Okay. So first uh, the acronym, CBAN stands for Carbon Uh Border Adjustment Mechanism. So this is a new tax, which EU proposes to levy on certain products starting from January 1, 2026. And gradually it will be adding up the list of products and it will be covering all the possible products by 2034 so the initial list of product mentions steel aluminum cement hydrogen electricity and fertilizer so this is the beginning made by eu and soon we are hearing that other countries are also thinking of imposing the same tax so uk has put its draft and other countries like usa canada and japan are also talking about these things Now, coming to the second part of your question, that is why. Why EU did this? So, it's very interesting. EU has a very ambitious environment agenda, climate agenda, I must say. So, to implement this agenda, EU has a body called Emission Trading System. For this uh, emission trading system, EU maps the emissions of more than 10,000 of their top industrial installations and power plants. And they set emission limits, annual emission limits on each of these. If anybody crosses the limits, then they have to pay the penalty. I'll tell you how much the penalty, what the shape of the penalty is. And if anybody does better, then he is rewarded. So the entire system is market-driven. So EU Parliament doesn't do anything. Uh, the way it happens, it's called cap and trade system. So suppose my installation was emitting hundred tons of carbon dioxide every year, and my limit was ninety eight tons. It was reduced by two tons, and uh, so I take, in, I do investments in green technologies, and I improve my processes, and I go below from hundred, not to ninety eight, but to ninety six. Mm-hmm was my limit and I go to 96 so I have additional these two points two tons of carbon dioxide I can sell these two tons of carbon dioxide worth of certificates I can trade this at the emission trading system there so another installation which has not done anything which could not curtail any of its emissions they will have to buy this from me and this buy and sell demand and supply it, it gives it proposes. It sets the price. So current price is about 100 euros per tons of carbon dioxide emitted. Now, this is all very fine. It was going very fine. But while this is all fine, EU was allowing its most polluting sectors, which are those steel, aluminium, paper mills, cement mills, to go scot-free without any improvement on their part. Why? So they said, okay, if you impose such a stiff carbon cost on me through ETS, then we'll shift production to the countries which have lower environmental costs, say China or India or some other countries. So this was termed as carbon leakage. So here we have to understand that carbon leakage was a threat. They say if you impose the price, this carbon leakage will happen. That means we may be shifting to other countries. So carbon never happened, but uh, then it was thought that it may happen. But then EU, when it became more ambitious to implement its climate agenda, it could not have allowed its uh, most polluting sectors to go scot-free. So it said, it drew a plan through this CBAM regulation. It says, okay, we'll reduce your free allowances every year, year by year. And to help you from cheaper imports to discourage cheaper imports, well, whatever price for carbon you are paying, the similar price will be charging and on the similar extent on the imports of the same commodities. So CBAM basically was a tax on imports, which EU proposes to take on steel, paper, cement, most polluting sectors. So basically CBAM in one line is to address the possible threat of carbon leakage. And right. It was long. I hope it
1: helped. You have analyzed in details the possible impact of CBAM on Indian exports. Could um, you share with us, you know, how the measure will impact India? So, what are the items that are likely to get hit? And as per uh, your assessment, what could be the magnitude of export loss once the CBAM is there fully in place?
0: So, uh, EU is our uh, large trading partners we export more than $77 billion of goods every year to them. Of these goods, about $8.2 billion are covered under the list of products of CBAM, like steel and aluminium. Steel and aluminium, they are the most important products. And we export about $5.2 billion worth of steel every year to EU, $2.7 billion of aluminium products to EU every year. So these two will be the principal products Affected immediately, but as I said, EU will be enlarging the list of products gradually, and uh, by 2034, all the products will be covered.
1: Right, and we are also hearing this date. You know, October one, two thousand twenty three. So uh, since you know the the higher taxes are supposedly they're going to kick in uh, in two thousand twenty six. What is the significance of this October one, two thousand twenty three date? Like, what is go- exactly going to happen as far as CBAM is concerned?
0: And it will kick in from January 26, but the process of sharing of emission data with EU counterparts will start on October one, this year only, and uh, the the quarter starting October one, uh, one month before the end of the quarter, uh, the Indian exporters has to share its emission certificate with its EU counterpart, and which they have to, in turn, submit. To the EU authorities for this. So the, the information flow will start from October 1, you wants to take this two years gap to assess the gaps in their system and uh, extend the system. It's just for extending the system.
1: Right. So like October, 2023, it is just uh, June now, I was like uh, less than four, four months down the road. So, uh, is our industry in a position to do all this? I mean, uh, is there clarity on uh, what they are supposed to do? I think major
0: industries they are they are they are talking to each other. They are talking to their experts. But so far, the top few industries I know, the top people in the steel and aluminium, they had some program even without the CBM uh, to reduce their carbon content. They had a program, but now CBM has put a timeline very stiff timeline. So they are talking to the government, and many task force have been created, and uh, they are they are basically evaluating their options whether they should go for energy or they should pay the CBAM with the investment in cleaning the process uh, will balance will justify the profits, and whether the expensive products which will be the result of the cleaner processes will justify the processes and trade amount. So I think they are doing processing at various levels, understanding, acting, everything in slightly uh, mixed way.
1: Right. And uh, you know, the CBAM measures, when they get implemented, you know, how when the penalty will get uh, get calculated? So, is there clarity on that?
0: Full clarity will come maybe this month when EU shows its implementing regulations. But uh, it's like this. Uh, okay. so on January 26th, uh, One year before that period, the importer, the EU-based importers will have to assess from which firm it will import what. And in that assessment, he will have to buy the the, the certificates in advance from the EU authorities. And then at the end of the year, in the next year in May, he has to settle off with this. If he is not settling by May next year of the operations, then the penalties are very stiff. How much will be the quantity um, amount of the penalty? I think implementing regulation, we have to wait for that to know that exact amount.
1: That is still something that is uh, to be you know, spelled out properly by the EU. Nice. Yes. India is also putting in place its own carbon trading mechanism. And it is uh, also reportedly in talks with the EU for recognition of its uh, own carbon certificates. So uh, the EU also ass- uh, assured in its trade policy review, which happened recently at the WTO, That effective carbon price paid outside of the EU will be taken into account while implementing Cbam measures. So, do you think uh, it is possible for India to work out such an arrangement with the EU?
0: Uh, My personal views are a big no. Forty-five countries have implemented uh, carbon trading systems, and our system should conform to the global norms. And I don't expect EU to give any leniency to India if it doesn't meet uh, their requirements.
1: Oh, really? So, like India, hoping that you know it could work out something. You know, it might be something that basically would might not result in much.
0: Amiti, you will recall about uh, uh, two decades before EU has implemented REACH regulation for chemicals, and uh-huh. we made similar noises and so many meetings were there, but result was nothing. Everybody was was made to comply. Right right right
1: okay so the eu is also bringing in a second environment related legislation you know um, the eu deforestation regulation which has been adopted by the eu council already so what is that like is it in is it something different is it in addition to the cbam and how will it affect india
0: so I say if cbam targets industrial products eu deforestation regulation targets agriculture products the the essence in one line is if you are growing any product on the land which has been deforested after 31st of December 2020, then you cannot export it to the EU. And your certificate is not sufficient for saying this. It has to be proven by a elaborate track and trace mechanism. EU wants the details of the piece of the land, its address, farmer's name, and uh, how it moves from supplier to supplier, from grower to supplier to supplier, to the exporter to the importer. EU wants the details of the entire supply chain. You said, you know, we are talking about uh, not giving digital data to EU. They want to take everything through such mechanisms like CBAN or EUDR. So the second part is which products? uh, You know, today they started uh, with certain products and they say they will be covering most of the agriculture products in uh, due course of time, that is within a few years. But uh, today, most affected products of India will be coffee, leather and leather items, and uh, paper products.
1: Right. And, you know, since um, agriculture is also mostly unorganized in the country, so wouldn't it be that much difficult to gather so much data from, you know, small farmers? It will make
0: almost impossible for small exporters to operate in the area. It the, the area will be left only to not big but very big people who can afford to put up such a supply chain and trace and trace mechanism, farm to fork mechanisms, all these things. So small exporters, uh, my personal view is that they 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 cannot they cannot afford to export to EU. And uh, I'll be happy to be proven wrong in, in some time.
1: Right. So these all seem to be, you know, unilateral measures, like all coming from EU. So will they pass muster at the WTO? Because, uh, you know, uh, if India raises a dispute at the WTO, so how strong can be a case that can be built against the EU for these measures?
0: So so two precise observations, uh... First, for uh, Cbam is that WTO rules they talk about the product per se, not how it is made, and uh, EU Cbam charges differential taxes based on how it is made, how much emissions was was there. So, even if the steel of the same quality, people from different installations may end up paying different tax because uh, cleaner steel may have been made from green nitrogen and uh, Darker uh, steel may have been made uh, using grey hydrogen. So this is not tenable at the WTO, but WTO, you know, it's almost uh, non-functional. So we cannot uh, wait for the WTO to to give justice to us on this. Uh, Similarly, EU deforestation regulation, that also flouts uh, basic WTO understanding because it, it proposes to classify countries into high risk country, low risk country, based on their own criteria. WTO does not allow this. So both the regulations they fall foul. But I don't want to. I don't want to put all my eggs into WTO fight because uh, the way WTO is functioning, no decisions are expected in near future. And we should be ready uh, to the fact that we have to face the CBRAM and EUDR things.
1: Right. So you know, I know this is a very difficult question, but. How do you think the situation can be best handled by the government at the moment?
0: You know, EU has taken a decision. Now, if we have to trade with EU and uh, similar other countries, because many more are talking about this, we have to prepare. You know, this is the gauntlet thrown at us. And what government can do, government should know what other countries are doing. It's uh, like setting up its own emission trading system and uh, renaming the taxes like customs duties and cesses and excise duties of petroleum products, we charge heavy taxes already. We just need to rename them in a very discreet way as carbon tax. That will lessen the impact there. And then we have to prepare a strong retaliatory measure. Remember when U.S. has imposed during Mr. Trump's time uh, tariffs on aluminium and uh, steel. Yes. Yes. Retaliatory. So similar retaliatory mechanism has to be there. And uh, then we have to increase industry awareness, especially the small sectors, then of course, we have to wait. We should not hurry for the FTA with EU and UK, unless this is solved. You know, what will happen if we do an FTA with EU today? Their goods will enter at zero duty in India. Our goods will pay to 35% percent CBN there. This is not justified. So we have to wait for more clarity till an FTA is signed. FTAs can wait
1: so do you think that, you know, India could actually, you know, include these talks in the FTA talks that are already happening with the EU? No, well, no, um,
0: I don't uh, advise for that because EU DR is separate regulation. Suppose EU wants to help India, of course, it will not. It cannot offer a better treatment to India than it is offered to any other country because then entire regulation can be questioned. So I don't think it's, even if it wants, it can offer any better treatment to India, that we should understand very clearly. You know, bilateral talks—they happen at uh, mostly at uh, say a diplomatic level where nice language is talked. But uh, we have to understand very clearly. Even if you, EU words, they cannot because if they help one country. What will they apply to other countries? So I am very clear that nothing is going to come out of these talks. We have to handle it properly.
1: Right. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Sivasta, for explaining things so lucidly for our listeners. As things are still evolving, we will keep a watch on both the regulations and how the Indian government and industry negotiate these. I hope to have you again soon with us in another episode. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, thanks. Nice talking to you.
1: Thanks.